Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All the spot analysis. Am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I, I think I'm gonna come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get that. Gotta get that. Gotta get some. My favorite, though. Am I? You're my favorite. Well, thank you yeah. so much. I think not. You put me on the e-meter and ask me a question, and the needle would float. Welcome to another Come Get Some Extra Scientology edition today with Aaron Smith-Levin. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Um... But first, we're going to talk about wise organizations and uh, and what that is. And before we do that, a little housekeeping. Again, this is Miami Six Man on Twitter. You can follow the show on at CGS here on Twitter. Of course, there is a Come Get Some on Facebook. And you can email the show using CGS here at gmail.com. Please, by all means, show me what I'm doing isn't falling on deaf ears. Subscribe to the show, whether it's on iTunes or on Blog Talk Radio, whatever. I know Blog Talk makes you jolt to a few hoots, but it's not damaging or hurtful in any way. Uh, so let's do this. Uh, World Institute of Scientology Enterprises, that's a wise company, and just taken straight off a of wiki, why not, is a Church of Scientology organization headquartered in Los Angeles, California. Basically, it's the international membership organization whose members use both all Ron Hubbard management technology and embrace the responsibilities and ethical standards of a wise membership. Essentially, uh, they, they uh, raise money for Scientology within the company. A portion of that uh, happens that way, but also uh, they ask uh, and want their employees to basically sign into Scientology and take Scientology courses, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the person I'm talking to today about that before we get to Aaron is Paul Wysong. Now, this guy uh, this may be the last thing you hear about him in the media for a couple – for a little while while his case is going. Uh, so we made sure in this discussion, which was recorded a week ago, uh, we made sure to keep this very vague. Uh, we didn't mention names or specific – I don't think we mentioned specific charges or specific people or specific companies. Uh, we just talked about the general thing that's happened to him, which sounds a lot like a lot of these other things I've seen. Now, now through the years, there's been a lot of cases – uh, brought up against Scientology, uh, who are, um, have wise companies, such as um, in 1992 there was some assistance to a dentist in Canton, Ohio. Um, you know they were uh, continually against the will, being subjected to religious recruitment, and uh, they tried to brainwash them. They said in 1994 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, there was a there was a dental care lawsuit 
uh, basically, uh, they wouldn't join a church of Scientology, so they got fired. And, and this goes on. There's, there's one in 98, 2002, 2003, 2005. Uh, some of these don't have resolutions to them posted. Sometimes uh, they backed out because the charges against them were too heavy, which might sound familiar when you hear from Paul. Um, also, uh, there was a dental assistant in the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries uh, that uh, sued for religious uh, discrimination. And in 2012, she received uh, a payment over $300,000 in settlement. So you can win. You can win in these battles. And these battles have to happen is really a sickness. <laughs> it's really disturbing to me just how integrated Scientology has come into every part of the world, uh, just, just, just seeping in like cancer cells. Um, and I want to make a statement right now because normally I don't have the luxury – of believing there might be somebody who identifies as Scientology as a Scientologist and their practices listening to the show. But I have a sneaky suspicion there's at least one person in Scientology listening to this show today, and I want to speak to you. Um, all this is my opinion based on what I'm seeing and what I've been able to assert from connecting the dots and seeing, hearing everybody's stories and seeing everything I've seen. My question to you is, if this is your path to enlightenment, to clear the planet, why is it okay to destroy people along the way? How is that making you a better person? Is, does the means really justify – does the ends really justify the means that much? I don't know how you're going to feel about hearing that or how you're going to receive that. I'm probably speaking on deaf ears because you've already bought into it, and what you bought into is a bad bill of sale, and you should really look at getting – uh, uh, read, uh, uh, let's really look at that again because you even, regardless of what you're doing to other people, which I know of you, if you're who I think you are listening, uh, you probably deserve better yourself. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, here is part one of my conversation with Paul Weisson. All right, so I did get in touch with somebody I saw on social media that's having a problem with Scientology, a big problem. Uh, uh please welcome to the show, Paul Weisson. How you doing, Paul? Very good, Chris. Thanks for having me. No problem. Did I say your name properly? Yes, sir. Paul Weissong. Weissong. Okay, so I want to avoid uh, naming any names of companies or people involved in any, any lawsuit you may have. We're going to play it safe here for you. Um, you have four kids. Your wife and yourself work for the same company, right? Yes, sir. We did. Okay, so uh, what's happened is you found out apparently that this is what's called a WISE company. That is true. All right. And if you want to go ahead, you probably understand better than I do at this point. If you could explain what it means to be a wise company for Scientology. Um, as far as I know, the owners of the company that my wife and I had worked for have been in Scientology since about the 1960s, 1970s. Wow. Um, so they do the weekly stats. They do all follow all the CSWs, uh, danger situation alerts. Uh, we had to turn our stats in every week by Tuesday, um, and unbeknownst to me, I had no idea what CSW stood for. I had no idea what the stats were being used for. I just contributed this to tracking the uh, success of the company itself. And how long did you work there? Uh, I was there since July of 2013. So you've been there for a good while, and you're actually were in good standing with the company at one point, right? 
Uh, yes, sir. I was actually the top revenue sales gen uh, generator. Um, I'd already had the 2017 budget approved for my division, and I was the. I started out as the quality manager in 2013. Uh, in late 2013, I was promoted to vice president. In 2014, I was promoted to president. So I moved up through the ranks pretty quickly. All right. And what did your wife do for the company? Uh, she was our executive admin, and one of my best friends was also our vice president. He, too, was fired. For the same reasons? Yes. Okay, so uh, j just to clarify, a wise company is a company that's run by people who are uh, wired into Scientology, basically, and essentially funneling funds from the profit of the company into Scientology donations. Does that sound about right? Yes, sir, it does. Okay, so, so what happened? Okay, so I was rev uh, generating a revenue for this company about on a monthly basis, about 1.4 to 1.6 million a month by myself. Um, I grew it to a little over 400 associates within really one year of a new contract. And uh, they, from the beginning, from the onslaught since 2014, they had been telling me to take uh, different training courses and basic staff training and things like that, um, which I never thought you know, two things about until I started. They actually, what caught my eye was they gave me a cause for suppression book. And when I opened it up, the very first, and they played all this off as management courses and management training, but when I opened this book up, the very first page says, Scientology, making the world a better place. Wow. So my grandmother was a pastor. My uncle is a current, both my uncles are current pastors. So I, I did some more digging into this, I found out it was Scientology, so because my wife and I both were employed there and my best friend, I was trying to to avoid this the best I could, but it, it continued to get worse and worse. Uh, they gave me, they used the actual company Christmas party to give me breaking the code, uh, the mystery of modern management, communication and team building, business ethics and justice procedures. I mean, I've got books and books and books related to Scientology that I never signed up nor intended to, to participate in. Um, everything came to a head while we were living in California around, uh, I want to say around July of 2015 when they, because I wasn't doing the Scientology training, the CEO actually hired some other Scientologists to come in and help me, quote-unquote, run my division. And through that, what I mean is they kind of pushed me out of the way and took over the day-to-day -day activities. They changed the HR. They changed the org chart. They put in all these different divisions that now I know correlates to their, their belief systems and their management systems. So the guy that they put in, sent me an email and said, we've signed you up for a two-week training course in Los Angeles at the L. Ron Hubbard College. These are the courses that the CEO wants you to take. Here are your dates. And uh, after that, I just kind of blew that off. I didn't go. And then my bonuses stopped coming in. Um, we were moved back from California to Ohio, and it just got worse from there on out. So when we got back to Ohio, uh, I contacted an attorney on December 23rd and was asking him if he could try to get my back bonuses for me. 
I sent him contracts that I had signed with the owners stating how I would be paid, when I would be paid. And I also asked him if he could put in his letter that they stop pushing the Scientology on me. That was Friday, December 23rd. On Saturday, they actually, unbeknownst to me, locked all three of us, my wife, my, our vice president, and myself, they locked us out of our emails. I didn't realize it until returning back on Tuesday to work. Um, I contacted IT and said I'm unable to access my computer, my emails, etc. And HR had responded with the operations at the Ohio facility for your group have been suspended without pay until further notice. They went a step further and left an actual voicemail on my wife's phone stating that because of me getting an attorney involved, all three of us were then terminated. Okay. So now, 17 days later, after I filed a formal lawsuit now for multiple claims, uh, religious discrimination, unjust and unlawful termination, breach of a contract, now they have in turn filed suit against a civil case against me in Indiana to tie up my monetary funds and to just continue their relentless attack on my family and I. Wow. So so if you didn't get an attorney, if I, am I correct in understanding that if you didn't get an attorney, you're probably going to be fired anyway for rejecting the uh, the training? Um, eventually, I think it would have led to that. But I was still in good standing. One thing I did find out is as long as I was making the company money, I more or less had a free pass. And I've, I've also read more now on trying to learn more about my, my, uh, my aggressor. I've learned that the highest revenue generating people are more or less given a free pass. So... Once the account started to suffer, then I became more and more into the spotlight. I was more prone to the attacks from some of the other science. The staff there is almost all Scientology, so the directors of other levels are all Scientologists. The lady brought in to put over top of me in the role called, quote-unquote, what I referred to as my handler, she was also a Scientologist. So I don't... I don't know if I ultimately, uh, I probably would have ultimately been fired anyways for not converting, but definitely me contacting the lawyer advanced this dramatically. If I would have just asked the lawyer to help me with my past due bonuses, I don't think anything would have become of it because, again, I have emails all the way up to the week before I was fired telling me I was doing a good job, the pro or the uh, the P&Ls and the budget for 2017 had been approved, but in their lawsuit, they state that they fired me because poor performance, I wasn't doing a good job, I wasn't doing what they hired me to do, and just more just false and misleading representations of me. And this is something that seems like I've seen them do, where they will they'll, they'll counter-sue you so that you get so tied up in defending yourself that you can't really go after them. And then, uh, and then everything just kind of falls apart. And in most cases, I've seen. I'm not a very good legal expert of any kind, uh, but it feels like it feels like somebody should be helping you guys out. That really, uh, you told me that you've looked at some lawyers, and a lot of them charge in the hundreds of thousands. Um, yeah, I've reached out to about ten uh, attorneys in the Indianapolis area, which that's where their civil case against me is situated. 
and everyone's wanting at least a minimum of a $3,500 retainer on top of $275 an hour. And they're saying if this goes in the maturation of a trial that I'm looking from anywhere to $100,000 to $150,000. Um, my wife and I have sold every extra item that we have to sell. And I did the math the other day, and I have enough for about 40 hours worth of an attorney. Wow, I mean, this is uh, this is something that bothers me because here you are, you're a family, uh, a big family of people who have never had anything to do with Scientology, never asked about it, no. No, you never said a negative thing about it, and because they wanted you to sign these documents and do this training that completely goes about against what you believe in, you've been put in a corner where you had to fight for something and that got you fired, and um, yes. and that your family's suffering now. Because I would call it suffering. You guys, your 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 understand your standard of living has changed dramatically. Uh, like you said, you're selling things off. This is not right. And what I don't understand, and maybe I'm out of line saying this, but you see people kill people, <laughs> like Casey Anthony, George Zimmerman, and the like, get people come out of the woodwork to defend them pro bono, and everybody wants a retainer and an hourly rate from you guys, and you guys are the real victims, and you know. Uh, in, in these situations that really need that help and I really hope somebody hears this somebody in the legal profession or somebody able to help to step up and do what's right because this is why Scientology continues to do what it does Paul is because people just lay down and because they don't lay down because they're weak they don't lay down because uh, because they've changed their mind they lay down because they can't afford to keep fighting Scientology and one of these days and I know you want to be the one to do it and, and I really hope you can but one of these days, somebody's going to win, and that win's going to cause a snowball effect. And why wouldn't you want to be the attorney that was involved in that very first win that caused the, the spiral to take care of the situation so it never happens again? Sorry, it's a rant. No, 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 I completely understand. It's been a pretty disheartening experience because, again, I'm the guy that will work, you know, 90 hours a week. I'm the guy that twice in one year relocated my family from Ohio to California to make sure that this this company I was working for succeeded. And then, you know, all the way up until the week prior to my termination, I'm getting emails that say, you know, you're doing a good job. We appreciate all your hard work. And then I received this lawsuit 17 days later that says, you know, during the course of his employment, uh, the company had numerous issues with the defendant. Again, I have never had a, a single write-up in my HR file. I've never been counseled. I got nothing but positive reviews, pay raises, title uh, promotions. You know, so they, they continues to say that I provided inaccurate and incomplete paperwork. And again, the only reason that I'm being sued is because I told the truth. And it, it, it baffles me that witness intimidation is against the law, but this retaliatory civil claim is completely protected. Yeah. They can come after me and intimidate me with a lawsuit so that I, because literally I'm looking at going in and just saying, yep, I'm guilty of all this because I can't even afford to fight it. And you're not even guilty of the things they're, they're claiming you did. Is that correct? Not whatsoever. I have, I, I'm a, I've been an engineer for 23 years, so I've learned to keep everything so i have over six thousand emails i have every email i've ever sent received deleted um all stating everything that what they're claiming in here is complete false i have affidavits from employees still at the company 
and who worked there, why I worked there, saying that the owner constantly raved about my performance and told them that I was the benchmark employee and I should be the guy that they're uh, shooting to become. So, and then to find out 17 days later, I contact a lawyer that I was supposedly the worst employee ever and they've <laughs> actually gone on the record in the press and said I did a lousy job. It just baffles me. Yeah, this is a tough one. I really hope I really hope you find the help that you need. What what's the ideal outcome for you? I mean, obviously you don't want to go back to that place to work. Um, but what you do no, want no, no. <laughs> But you want to uh you want to uh, rec- reclaim damages and be able to move on without without losing your home, I guess. And uh Yeah, in the end, you know, it's not even about the the bonus checks that I'm due. I mean, that's upward of 70 to 80,000 dollars that they weren't paying me in bonuses that they agreed to. I had a signed contract stating I was allowed to buy 49% of the company at a $250,000 price, and then once I grew it to a $20 million company, my how quickly her mind changed about giving me 50% or 49% <laughs> at $250,000, because now then I have an email saying, well, I don't really want to sell you your portion until you finish this coursework. Oh, man, so okay. So then it even became, you know, I got cheated out of 49% of owning this company, because I wouldn't finish this coursework. So, you know, this this path was destined to, to come. Right. Uh, because I'm a very strong-minded person. I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never drank a beer. Uh, peer pressure just, it don't work on me. So, you know, the more they, they taxed me with this and the more I said no, it was just ultimately going to come to a head. But my main goal is, you know, it's not about the money now. It's just uh, the more I hear about these, what they do to people, it's more about me just telling the story and getting it out. I mean, if if in the end the, the, the courts in Ohio say you don't get a dollar and the courts in Indiana say you're you're not guilty of all this, um, but yet their story is out there and people know the truth, then I'm I'm okay with that. Wow, that's, that's what I'm not okay with is they break the law and in the end they win. That's a strong statement, Paul. I agree with you. Um, that's great. I I think that. Uh, I think you were never going to have ownership of a company that has Scientology ties without being a Scientologist, and, and I mean that's why she did that to you. Um, that's why you were told finish these courses, and then you get your ownership. Yeah, and you know they got my family. The more I look back now, we were a hundred percent dependent on the CEO. I mean, I drove a company-owned car. We lived in a company-owned house. Both of our incomes came from this company, so she knew in the back of her mind, or at least she thought she knew, that I could never afford to bite the hand that feeds me or fight back. But I'm the type of guy that my family and I will live in a homeless shelter first before I sell my soul. Right. Well, tell you what, man, I don't want that to happen to you or your kids. Um, anybody out there listening can help Paul Weissong. If you know a lawyer or you are a lawyer that wants to stand up and do the right thing for the right reasons, I know that's hard to find these days in, in the legal profession. But uh, step up and, and help this guy. I'm going to put some contact information for you on this podcast link when I post it. Uh, okay. And uh, if you want to send me your GoFundMe link through our messaging, I'll put that up too. Um, and you might want to link that to your social media accounts because I don't see it on your Twitter uh, but you know you need yeah, help, and people should help. We're humble people, so we're trying not to, to beg too much. But it looks like we're not really going to have a choice. 
Yeah, I haven't done it either. Like a lot of people in the podcasting profession, because I don't make any money to do this. You know, it takes costs me my time. I don't make any money. A lot of people will do Patreons or GoFundMe's or Kickstarters to be able to afford better equipment and put on a better show. And, and I just can't do it. So I understand where you're coming from. It's it's never easy, especially when you've been when you've been killing it in your profession. It's not easy to turn around and, and ask for money. So I, I feel for yeah. you there. So uh, uh, send me that stuff. I will post it up for you. Is there anything else you want to say in closing uh, to the people out there listening? No, I'm just, uh, you know, the, the owners always told us that they only had two children. In fact, I've talked to some current and ex-employees also about that. And just the other day, one of their, a third child of theirs reached out to me and said that she had left the church over 16 years ago, and they haven't spoken a day to her since. So, you know, Although I'm going through the struggles that I'm going through, I, I see this as temporary, whereas those families that have been disconnected by the church, mm, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a bigger story than even mine. So. Yeah, and I don't know if you know Aaron, uh, Aaron Smith-Levin's story. He'll be on my show next week. He's had some disconnection in his family. So uh, I, I get it. It's been it's pretty, and, you know, I was talking about Lori Hodgson last week. Uh, the disconnection's the real, and what happens, like in Aaron's case, people that you... Uh, that, that you hope someday to have a relationship with again, sometimes you lose them and you never find out until after the fact. So it's uh, yeah, not a great what, thing. You know, what scares my wife and I the most is if they're willing to disconnect from their own children and their grandchildren, you know, what's, nothing's going to stop them in the relentless fight against me. So, Right, well, I, I wish you the very best, Paul. You and your family, I've seen the pictures. Your family looks like a very nice uh, family and, and I'd like to see you guys thrive and succeed past this and overcome it. Um, I wish you nothing but the best, man. I appreciate it. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, Paul. We'll follow up if we can later on. All right. Sounds good. You take care. You too. All right. So that was Paul Weissong. That's his story. Uh, whether you choose to, to take his word for it or not, I have reason to believe he's telling the truth just based on things that I've seen in research about why his companies and I, yes, I can confirm, and of course you see it. You can see it on Tony Ortega's Underground Bunker website. More information on his company, and that it is indeed a wise company. There's more detail there than than we put on this show. Um, I don't have any contact up for uh, for Paul at the moment, but I'm going to try to get some to put up so we can come back to the link at a later time and, and grab his information if you want to be of assistance. Uh, in the meantime, here is part one of Aaron Smith Levin. All right, today on the show, you may have seen this man on the Lair Remini show, Scientology, the aftermath, and um, uh, he's the gentleman with the, uh, who, who lost his twin brother after this connection, and it was a very emotional episode. For me, probably one of the most emotional episodes, but he's here to talk to us now on Come Get Some. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Hey, thank you. Now, I really appreciate you coming on, and, and I think it's great. That that people like yourself and Tony Ortega and Chris Shelton and and more have agreed to come on this show because, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to know you mostly from your spot on the Lair Remedy show, uh, you know, and people have ideas about TV shows and you wonder about the production of it and everything. Um, of course, after your time on the show. And everybody else who's come on the show, these these smear videos come out uh, by Scientology about how terrible you guys are as people. And um, one of the main things 
like this gentleman, John Alex Wood. I call him a gentleman. He, he's not. But John Alex Wood out on Twitter saying stuff like, you know, uh, Amy Scobie lied, so she couldn't have been molested. And, you know, you're a bad person, and Chris is a bad person, and Leia's after cash. And it made me want to create this show. <laughs> but what I think is great about it is he's sitting there saying that this is all an act. This is all scripted, heavily scripted. And and the fact is, this is your life. This is your life. So so what happens is people see Lear Remini fire up. They see his comments. And I worry somebody might see the the shadowy silhouette on AE of Aaron Smith-Levin looking into the distance and going, yeah, man, this is scripted. But, but no, that's television. But, <laughs> you, you know. know. Those things, I got, you know, those things are a little cheesy, you know. Um, and, but even if you watch a news program, they shoot, you know, cheesy B-roll like that. Well, right, it's still television. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But but the story is the story. There's there's no and I tell you the way they did it. I will say you know Mary Khan's story is extremely emotional. And then watching her son speak against her uh, makes me want to put my fist through the screen. And the the Amy Scobie thing is terrible. And, and Paulette Cooper went through hell. And, and something about your story, and I think it was kind of the way it was laid out and edited on TV. Uh, not to mention that it's just really an emotional story. Your story got me almost the most. I think. And, uh, and we're going to get into that if we can here. One thing that threw me off, and I want to talk about this, and, and I mentioned it before we went on the air. Uh, when the show starts, when you're on Lear Remini, and I don't want to go through the minutes of the show, but when the show starts, they talk about how Heather won't come on camera and, and talk. And, uh, right. and and there's apparently some reason for it, yet later on it's explained that she's been disconnected from her parents. So So what exactly... Was the reason, if I can ask you, that that Heather wasn't uh, willing to be on camera? Well, if I recall correctly, what was said in the show is that she's worried that if she appears on camera, that will prove that will be used to prove to her parents that she really is an SP, right? And so that is totally accurate. Um, when my wife Heather got declared, she has been she was guilty of nothing other than continuing to be married to me. She had never met with Mike Rinder the way I had already met with Mike Rinder. She had never read any of the online blogs the way I had read the blogs. She had never had to lie to the ethics officer the way I had lied to the ethics officer. Um, and I think, I don't mind saying this, I think if my wife had it her way, and if she were able to still keep her family, keep, keep her mother, keep her father, keep her sisters and brother, and keep her marriage to me and keep our kids together, she would probably rather still be in Scientology. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like, what she objects to is that she was forced to decide. That's right. what she objects to. But she also still has a loyalty, I think, to the subject, a loyalty to L. Ron Hubbard, and would probably like to do auditing, you know? And you can do auditing outside of the church, but when you're raised in the church, you are taught to believe that getting auditing outside the church is, like, uh, the ultimate sin. And so I, I think I'm giving a very long answer here, but what, what the, the, the short version of this answer is she wants, at least up until this point, I think it's starting to change, she wants to be able to hold on to that integrity of saying, I have not done anything wrong other than insist on my right to continue to be married to my husband. And I think, and, and she was declared for it anyway. And I think in her mind, if she goes and does things that she knows the church could consider a suppressive act, then it will prove 
to everyone in the church that they were right when they, they made the right decision when they declared her. She wants to be able to go through life on a day-to-day -day basis saying, no, it was not right that you declared me. I'm not who you say I am. And, and she just doesn't, um, uh, I, these things, this, this way that I'm explaining it, I'm just explaining it the way it exists. It's not something I agree with. It, it is something I have a problem with. Right. It's something that Heather and I have argued about. Of <laughs> like, you know, look, you can't keep living your life worried about what people think about you who don't give a shit about you anymore, who don't give a shit about you, right? Like, you were taught to think that way for a reason, and it was to control you. And if you're still living your life, um, in a, uh, if you're still trying to live your life in a way that you think other people would agree with, um, then they're still controlling you. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, decompressing has been much harder and has taken much longer for her um, uh, than it has for me. I think that's the best way I can explain it. So, you know, did she have a problem with Leah coming to the house? No. Did she have a problem with me doing the show? No. Did she have a problem with the kids appearing on camera? No. But was she willing to sign the form that said the kids could appear on camera? No. Because she says, look, if you have to ask me, don't do it. Like, if Aaron's signature is enough for them to appear on camera, then have them appear on camera. But I don't want my signature on a piece of paper because this isn't my thing. This is, you know what I mean? Like, she's like, right. I'm okay with this happening. But I don't want to give my permission. I'm okay, but don't ask for my permission. And um, so honestly, that's why she didn't want to appear on camera, because then her parents, uh, you know, she is very, very, very optimistic that she will be able to have a relationship with her parents again um, in the future. And I, I tell her, I said, look, that's not going, that, that's going to happen the day your parents leave the church. You trying to live your life and be a good girl and not break any of Scientology's rules is not what's going to enable you to see your parents again. It's going to be when your parents leave the church. And she doesn't even disagree with that statement. It's just hard for her to internalize it and adopt it and, and you know, live with it. So that, that's, that's the answer. Wow. There, there's, there's a lot to analyze about that answer, but I don't want to do anything that will... I don't want to say or in, in, embark on a conversation that could make her more, uh, more and more uncomfortable, you know? Um, I, I will say this, and uh, this is not a judgment on her at all, um, and, and I try to keep away from some of the curse words on this show, although you can curse, I was going to say this flat out, that this is even a thing, that, that, that everything you just told me is even a situation is fucked, <laughs> beyond <Yeah>. belief, <laughs> I know, I know. beyond belief. It's, it's brainwashing, it is. Now, now people... People in um, people in families, and uh, I won't get into details, but even I have this in some situations. People in families sometimes just internally disconnect from a family member. Um, if there's a destructive family member, somebody who you just cannot coexist with, and it's unhealthy to be around them, this connection is an option in life. It happens. There's that, 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 that relative you don't talk to. But, um, yeah, but often is the times that the argument, the complaint, the, the destructive complication making people disconnect in Scientology is simply you're not practicing Scientology, which is just, well, I, I said earlier, it's pretty fucked. Um, right. the, 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 th the, the thing about your wife not wanting... Uh, to not be a Scientologist, but having to not be because she's married to you. 
you said you don't agree with it. So in your opinion, Aaron, um, what do you think about independent Scientology studying or, or you know, people who stay in Scientology regardless not having a conflict of any kind? Um, I, I understood the first part of the question. I feel like I missed the second part of the question. All right, well, a lot of times yes, people... Independent Scientology, and then the last part I didn't quite understand. All right, well, there are people who stay like, versus even within Scientology, say people who are still practicing Scientology, happily doing so without any conflict. Do you think... Sure, sure. Do, do you see the benefit of that? Do you think that's still an okay thing, or are, are you looking at that kind of cross-eyed? Well, so I don't, I don't object to that. So, like... Uh, even though I have zero interest in participating in independent Scientology, and I never will, and I will never get auditing again and any of that stuff, I don't have a problem with people practicing independent Scientology. Um, people who happen to be in Scientology and, let's say, they simply have not been exposed to the same kind of abuses that others have been, right? Or, 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 maybe, or maybe to a little degree, but they, they don't have any reason to turn their life upside down and leave Scientology today. I don't have a problem with those people. Um, you know, I, I my feeling is that something does not have to be true in order to be helpful. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in God. And but I'm not going to tell Christians they shouldn't believe in God because if that helps them, that helps them, and it's not my place to say otherwise. Um, and the truth is, Scientology, even though I no longer believe in the ultimate story and promise of Scientology, you know, body fans, OT levels, all that shit. Um, the the lower levels of Scientology auditing are, I think. I don't mind saying this, even though I get heat for it, um, undeniably therapeutic. Like, you're not asking some. you're only, it's basically just talk therapy. I mean, it's basically uh, not much dissimilar if you were just go see a therapist and talk stuff out. Where, where auditing gets destructive, it's when it's being used as a tool against the person as opposed to a tool to help the person. I mean, and when I talk about something not having to be true in order to be helpful, look, the placebo effect is real. Yeah. You can cure disease with sugar pills, okay? So, now, one thing I would like to do personally is sit down with an expert like Steve Hassan and have him give me his best pitch for why auditing is at all times and in every instance is destructive. <laughs> because it's not that I'm defending it from an, in an ideological way. Like, if someone thinks auditing is, is always hypnotic and always destructive, I, I'm not bothered by that. It just doesn't happen to be my view. Um, uh, you're just talking about things like communication and problems and change. It's not a big deal. If it didn't cost so much money, I don't think people would bitch about it so much. <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly right. It's when, it's when you start talking about Dianetics auditing and going into past lives and imagining incidents that happened to you and then going into solar systems and galaxies <laughs> and you were, you know, and, and, and Scientologists are on a gradual basis trained to believe that any minor thought that you have about things like that, that anyone else would just call imagination, is actually a memory. And I think that is a real, uh, a real mind-altering um, <clears throat> belief. <laughs> yeah. Any random thought you have about, <laughs> you know, anything is actual a memory that you're contacting. And that's just, that's just being out of touch with reality. So, well, my, the original question was independent Scientology. Look, my mom is an independent Scientologist. My mom audits people for a living outside of Scientology. And she and I have conversations about this. I'm yeah. Like, Look, you've got to tell me. you got to tell me if you really believe this body Satan stuff. 
And, you know, she, her answers to me are very similar to what I heard Leah Remini tell Joe Rogan on his podcast this week. You don't have to believe it. And you, sometimes, like, when, when someone's starting the OT levels and they're learning about the body things and Xenu and all this stuff, they're told, and I never knew this because I never did the OT levels in Scientology, they're told you don't have to believe it. You just have to audit it. And then it becomes this weird self-inflicted brainwashing scenario where you're now given the job of auditing yourself on something, but as the auditor, you're the one responsible for the results in yourself, and as the pre-clear, the pre-clear is someone who's getting auditing, as the pre-clear, you already know that if this doesn't work on you, it means there's something wrong with you, so you're now being put in a position of brainwashing yourself. So my mom does not audit people on the OT levels in the independent field. She just audits people on the other auditing that tends to just get people to examine parts of their life. And I, like I said, I, when I say things like this in my YouTube videos that, you know, the lower levels of Scientology are perfectly fine in my opinion, I get a lot of heat. Like, oh, I hope one day you'll realize you've never been helped in any way, and I hope you realize anything you've got out of Scientology you could have gotten elsewhere. And I'm like, well, maybe that's true, but why do you care so much that I feel that, that I think that way? Like, What's wrong with me just being like, you know, it wasn't all bad. Like, why does it have to all be bad in order to have this honest conversation? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm going <laughs> to... Just because I'm, I'm saying it's not all bad doesn't mean I'm advocating for it. Like, geez, like, what's the problem? You know? uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk out of both sides of my mouth here for a second. I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and mm -hmm. telegraph that. But uh, I'm going to both uh, give an opinion on what you just said, but I'm also going to kind of back it up a little bit uh, on the tail end of it. Uh, basically, I, I feel like it's you you nailed it with the money thing like okay so fine it's like therapy but you're spending twice the amount as you'd spend at a real therapist but i i feel like it's unhealthy because you're just convincing yourself that this thing's helping you when your problem is you're not helping yourself properly and i think you can get that through through real counseling the the other side of it is also a lot of what you discover through auditing, I feel like you could – now, I'm talking through very little experience on my own, just what I read and stuff. But it feels like what you can get out of auditing, I could just go to the bar with Aaron and talk to you about my problems and we'll just figure it out and like over a couple drinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, feel, it feels like there's nothing that somebody couldn't help you with uh, just being a friendly ear to bend. Um, yeah, perhaps. On top of that, perhaps. but uh, what, what, to your point, what actually really matches your point, Aaron, is – you know, I believe in God. Like, I don't know if God's a man in a big throne in the sky that, that lets you into pearly gates. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I know I feel like there's a higher power. But right. atheists bug me when they go fighting the uh, fighting the Pledge of Allegiance because God did it. You know, under God, they bugs the shit out of them. And I'm going, all right, well, if someone gets something out of the idea that there's a God, right? You don't understand this whole thing with God. You don't subscribe to a whole belief and worship of this God, but it doesn't do anything for or against you. Why do you hate it? Like, I don't care if it said under Tinkerbell. I know Tinkerbell is not real. It wouldn't bother me. I think it's strange as hell. So I kind of see both sides of it. Yeah. And realize that my, um, my experience in Scientology is through a very specific and unique lens. Um, I almost never paid a dollar for anything I ever did in Scientology. Um, I, I never, the whole time I was on staff and in the Sea Org, I would routinely ask myself, if I ever left the Sea Org, would I actually take the time out of my day 
and the dollars out of my pocket to pay for these services and come in here and do them because I don't think I would. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and so when I, and, and in my experience, the auditing, a lot of the auditing that I've seen happen is two students can sign up for a course and they can audit each other all day, all they want for essentially free. So when you say it's no different than two people talking at a bar, you're probably right, except not everybody has that friend who's a great listener they can talk to at the bar. True. And if auditing, and if auditing were free, it would, I would just chalk it up as another way that someone could go about trying to help someone in some way. Like, I don't see it as destructive necessarily. Um, and, but, um, okay, so that was in response to your question about independent Scientology. So the thing about independent Scientology is there's people in independent Scientology who act like they're in this exact same kind of cult that they were in when they were in Scientology. You know, they think there's only one truth. There's only one way to pursue that truth. There's only one correct way to ever, you know, do auditing. And these people fight amongst each other um, to the same degree that they were fighting amongst themselves in the church. And it makes me sick. It really makes me embarrassed for them. Um, but there's plenty of people in the independent field who are just like, I'm me, I'm going to do my thing, and I don't really care. You know, we're not trying to, you know, that, that some of those guys are trying to reorganize into a new organization. I think that's ridiculous. Are you um, talking about, David, I think Tony Ortega said it was the Qua, I say in the Koi. Are you talking about that one? Uh, no. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm actually thinking of something different. Okay. Like, they're trying to create a new independent Scientology organization. Now, God bless them. Go for it. I just think it's misguided. It's my opinion. So, but what I don't begrudge them is their desire to keep trying to help themselves and help other people with Scientology. Because it, if, if, Scientology, if the organization of Scientology had not developed it over the last 50 years in the way that it did, where it has become a tool of oppression and a tool of control, and it's become much more like North Korea than uh, yeah. a hippie philosophy. Like, Scientology in its early days was treated like a hippie, hippie, hippie kind of philosophy. And that's not harmful. And I, and I don't think it was harmful in those early days. Now, that doesn't mean LRH wasn't doing harmful things to people in the early days, because I'm sure he was. But I'm just saying, any subject can be used or applied in any way. And I think it is possible to apply Scientology in a helpful way, even though I just personally am not interested in that, you know? Um... And so, you know, people who are in the church and are still in, I guess I, I sort of explain it by saying they just haven't had their come-to-Jesus moment where they had to choose between their family or Scientology yet, you know? I don't think everyone who's in there is, like, a diehard fundamentalist Scientologist. I think some of them just haven't been pushed to the limit yet. And maybe some of them never will be pushed to the limit. Like, my, my push to the limit was when I was told, you have to never see or talk to your mother again. And even then I lied about it for about a year to just continue to stay in. And it's not even because I, <clears throat> I cared about staying in Scientology. It's because I cared about keeping my job, keeping my friends, and my wife keeping her family. Do you know what I mean? So right. if I was in that situation where I had to lie about it for a year just to hold on to the things I felt were important in life, then I have to assume there's many of the people in that same situation. And I have to assume there's other people who simply haven't been pushed to that limit yet, where they've had to make that choice. They haven't had to either start lying about it or jump ship. Um, and so, you know, I don't really blame any of those guys for what they're doing. So you could have potentially still been a Scientologist today if they didn't push you to that to that limit. 
I would without question still be a Scientologist today if they didn't push me to the South Limit. Wow. Not because I cared about Scientology as a subject, but because I valued everything that I had in my life. Um, you know what I mean? I thought I had the best job I was ever going to have. I thought I had the best friends I was ever going to have. Who wants to get, no one ever wants to get rid of that, you know? Right, absolutely. Are you, are you glad you got pushed to the limit now? Are you, are you happy about that, that you're out? I'm very happy. Good, that's very good happy. to know. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And that's actually, because the transition worked out so well for me, um, is, is really what motivated me to start doing the YouTube channel and talking about life after Scientology and talking about Scientology in a very sober, analytical way. Because um, most of the stories that the media focuses on regarding Scientology is how leaving Scientology destroys your life. Uh, the, the, the people get up there and they tell stories about, let me tell you how my life got destroyed when I left Scientology. But my life didn't get destroyed when I left Scientology. I, I'm, I, I'm, I was not wealthy before I was left Scientology, and now I am. I, just, I had friends that were spying on me when I was in Scientology, and now I don't. Right. <laughs> um, you know, we, you know and, and there's many ways that my life is better now. And that's why it, I said, you know what? Wouldn't it be helpful to sort of tell stories of people who left Scientology? They might have left, they might have been, you know, kicked out the door, kicking and screaming, like, no, I, you shouldn't kick me out. But once they left, life turned out great. Those are the stories that really should be being told. Because if all you do is tell stories about how people left Scientology and the life got destroyed, then you're not going to leave Scientology. Yeah. Let, let me ask you about about that. Do you have anybody left behind at all? It looks like your uh, other than the in-laws, your family's intact. Were there any friends or anybody you got disconnected from that you're sorry you had to lose, that you wish you didn't lose? Oh, without question. Um, uh, I, I had a really, really... Uh, I've always had a really strong circle of friends. And... Um, I can think of four of my best friends right off the top of my head, um, two of which, this is crazy. Um, so this one guy, I'll, I'll name him, Raffi and Hanali, Raffi Pendry, Hanali Pendry. Raffi, I was the best man at his wedding, and my wife was the maid of honor at his wedding. Um, these guys, they were there for the birth of all of our children. Him and he, he and his wife disconnected from us without so much as a text message, an email, or a phone call. They just decided, once the church told them, you know, the church probably pulled them in and said, this is what Aaron's doing, and he's such an evil person. He just right there <laughs> said, okay, good, no problem. I'll never see or talk to him ever again. So he unfriended me on Facebook, blocked me on Facebook, whatever, who cares. But my point is, he went from being my best friend, who was there for the birth of all my children, and I was the <sighs> best man at his wedding, to being like, I will never see, speak, or hear from Aaron Smith Levin for the rest of my life, and I don't give a shit, and I'm not even going to bother calling him to say... You fucked up, bro. I'm not talking to you anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that that didn't even occur. Um, you got a letter, right? No, 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 nothing. You didn't get the disconnection letter? No, nothing. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, like, typical, right? That's that's usually what you get. Well, I think they're, I think they're, I think they're cutting back on that. I think they're just saying, mm -hmm. hey, look, don't, if you send them a disconnection letter, they're going to post it on the Internet, so don't even do that. Makes sense. Yeah. So, well, your question was, any of the people I left behind? or um, All the friends that I had, I felt were very, very, very good friends up until the day they were, you know. When people disconnect from you because Scientology says you're not a good person, it just really drives it home that you sort of have to look. Like, were we friends, you know? Yeah. And, like, if, if the crux of our friendship was that we were Scientologists, then were we friends the way friends are friends? 
or were we friends because it was a convenient association? Like, and if you, if you look back on it and you start to look at these relationships and think, well, then I guess we weren't really friends, then it's hard to be super regretful that they're not in your life anymore. But the fact is, there were a lot of people that were in my life on a daily basis that, you know, if I could, you know, have it my way, I'd be like, yeah, I'd like to have them be my friends again. But it certainly isn't something that's going to get me where I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm never going to see or speak to my mother ever again because I value your friendship more. You know what I mean? Right. Well, well let me let me ask you about that. And I don't mean to put you on the spot on this, but, like, uh, people like yourself and your wife and your mom, you, you guys are going to stay connected. You guys are going to make that decision. Do you think there's a certain aspect of someone's personality or a certain way that somebody is that some people just are more susceptible to say, see ya? as opposed to, no, I can't disconnect from these people. You know, it's hard to say, because let me let me remind um, uh, everyone that it's not like the ethics officer came to me and said, you need to make this decision, and I was like, nope. I mean, I lied my ass off for right. a year, right? And then even after I was lying about it for a year, it's not like I just went to the ethics officer and said, I'm really tired of lying. I just want you to tell you, you can shove it, and you can declare me. No, no. It was a gradual process. I was fighting very, very hard to not get kicked out of the church. And it really came to the point where they just um, couldn't, <laughs> they just weren't willing to put up with my bullshit anymore. And they're like, yeah, we're pretty sure you're not telling us the truth, so we're done with you. And that was not a good day. You know, that was not a good day. Right. So when you say, is there a difference in, you know, could someone else be predisposed to making that decision? You know, could someone else who was in my position, um, I did have a moment where I was given the opportunity to bend at the knee and come clean and make amends and, you know, get back in the good graces. So if what you're really asking is, like, could someone else at that point have been like, okay, fine, you got me. I give in. I'll come back. Yeah. Um, and I think um, I think the difference between someone who had bended the knee at that point and someone who wouldn't, I think it depends on whether they still believe in the story of Scientology. Um, mm. If you still believe that we are trapped on a prison planet in a continuous state of amnesia <laughs> without realizing that we are trapped in these bodies and trapped on this earth and that we are being controlled by the evil alien psychiatrists on a daily basis. <laughs> it is very easy, if you believe in that story, to set aside any normal terrestrial concerns, uh, you know, any terrestrial um, desires like seeing your mother <laughs> be like, okay, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put this off to the side right now because I'm, I'm dedicated to the purpose of freeing every being on this planet. If, if you still believe the bullshit, you're gonna pick the church over your family. And by that time, I no longer believe the bullshit. So, but that's interesting because I feel like that the idea, and you hear the word indoctrinated come up a lot with Scientology, but yeah. but it seems like the idea of this connection is almost implanted from the first day you walk in there. Um, think about how you guys, like many people, came in as kids. You and your brother at least came in as children. And when you come in as yeah. children, the first thing they do is put you in your own place to live aside from your parents. So it's almost like a pre-disconnection kind of sort of, isn't it? But, but that's not just coming into Scientology, though. That was, again, that was very, very specific and kind of unique um, where... We had joined staff at the Philadelphia Org. But for a while, we're still just all living at home, and my mom's husband is a chiropractor, and we do homeschool for a few hours in the morning, and then we go into the Org. So for a while, it was just kind of normal life, except you're going into the Org studying. 
it was when we went from Philadelphia to Clearwater, Florida, to study at FLAG, the FLAG Service Organization, that we were living with the Sea Org members, and Sea Org members um, don't, uh, Sea Org members separate the genders in the, in the, birth, in the you know, the, the, the apartments. So, um, I'm just making it clear, it's not like just getting into Scientology is when they start having you not live with your parents. That was, we were basically living on a Sea Org base, and that's why that was happening. But, but, but I still agree with your point that, um, they still do set it up. They still do uh, the indoctrination that would result in someone being willing to disconnect from family. It does start from day one because every course in Scientology starts with a policy letter called Keeping Scientology Working. And that policy letter is where L. Ron Hubbard lays, um, lays out in no uncertain terms how Scientology is single-handedly the most important thing anyone could possibly be doing with their lives um, in the universe. And this is the only chance we have to make it, and we only have a, a brief moment in eternity where we possibly have a chance to set man free. And it might be too late, but we're <laughs> going to give it our best, and nothing could be more important. I mean, that policy letter <laughs> that policy letter is the first thing you read in every single course in Scientology. And, and that, that indoctrination that nothing is more important, nothing is more important, nothing is more important, it's that indoctrination um, combined with the overall story of Scientology. That, that does put someone in a state of mind where they're willing to just discard their family without much remorse. Now, uh, just to get inside your head a little bit as a Scientologist, while you're actively being a Scientologist, and, and you understand the auditing process because you did auditing. You were an auditor. Um, yep. Something I, I wanted to know is, like, did, were you, you were aware the Scientology labels enemies, right? You, you had enemies that were known to you to be the enemy. Um, okay, so let's be specific. That Scientology labels enemies. Um, do you just mean declaring people suppressive? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if someone's suppressive, they're, they're almost someone you can't help. You just avoid them because they're destructive and they're, they're going to be a distraction from the goal of clearing the planet. True. Now, does it ever occur to you during this time, uh, Mr. Levinsmith, does it ever occur to you <laughs> during this time that... You can't clear the whole planet if you're labeling people suppressive and in, in giving up on them. Yes, but they define clear the planet in a very specific way that does not literally mean clearing everybody on the planet. Ah, okay, okay. So, so, so what, is, what, is your, what is the mentality, what is the thought process of a suppressive person? Are they doomed to, to burn an eternity on Earth? No, LRH says that we have the tools to help suppressive people. We just can't be bothered, so we'll get around to them last and we'll finish with <laughs> oh, what the hell's going to happen to the back sweep? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and keep in mind, Scientology doesn't believe in a heaven or a hell. And so Scientology's version of hell is simply you will not be allowed to avail yourself of Scientology, and you will die death after death, lifetime after lifetime, without the ability to recall and, and continue to be stuck in a body. That is Scientology's version of what someone would call a hell, because they don't believe in an afterlife. They believe in an eternal life, right? Right. Um, so, and um, do you want me to tell you how Scientologists define clearing the planet? I, I Actually, you know what? That would be good. Let's go ahead and, and cover that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so we'll cover that next Friday. <laughs> no cliffhanger, Aaron Smith-Levin. Don't know why I call him Levin-Smith. Keep getting them mixed up, two last names. But um, 
next week, uh, Aaron, uh, for the full hour, we'll talk about uh, a little bit more about his brother, about clearing the planet, about some of the crazy beliefs about Elrod Hubbard as the uh, as the science fiction writer that he is, and uh, ten questions. So much more to cover next week. Special announcement in two weeks. Uh, I'll be talking to Mary Kahn. Uh, you might have seen her on Scientology Aftermath. She was a blast to talk to, and uh, we have a good conversation there. Uh, so please tune in for that. Uh, so next week again, part two of Aaron Smith Levin. Uh, make sure you tune in for it. And uh, that about sums it up. Stay connected and take care, everybody. All the spot analysis. Am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Are we on a podcast? Yeah. I think I'm going to come get some. If you want some, come. Gotta get dead. Gotta get dead. Gotta get some. My favorite, though. Am I? You're my favorite. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I, I think not. Put me on the e-meter. And ask me a question and then it would slow. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.